The following podcast is a Jill Divine Media production. Christianity has become known for judgy people, strange words, ancient stories, confusing rules, and a members-only mindset. This is why I stayed away from the church for so long, but it's not supposed to be that way. I'm Jill Devine, a former radio personality with three tattoos, a love for a good tequila, and who's never read the entire Bible. Yet, here I am hosting a podcast about faith. The Normal Goes a Long Way podcast is your home for real conversations with real people using real language about how faith and real life intersect. Welcome to the conversation. If you have followed along from episode one, I've explained that this is my faith journey and the spiritual mentor that I have, Laura Fleetwood, and also the millennial mentor I have, Ryan Findler, they conduct all the interviews, but not today. I'm conducting the interview and then Laura is listening in and she's going to ask the questions in the bonus episode. And the reason why I'm conducting the interview today is because one of the things that I want to do is besides talking about my faith journey, I want to find others who have faith journeys that kind of go along with what we're talking about. And what we have been talking about in these first few episodes, really, what does it mean to be a Christian? Who is God? And some of these just basic questions that are also serious (laughs) and, and can get meaty and deep. And this week's guest I know nothing about, which is so exciting because I have just been told that he is kind of in the same situation as me, and I thought it would be interesting to talk about that. So I would like to welcome Justin Sharoma to the podcast. Let's just start with the basics. Let's start with where you're from and move into, you know, your personal life now, married, kids, and then we'll get into uh, what you do for a living. And then we'll get into the faith part. Sounds great. Um, I live here in St. Charles with my wife and twin babies. Um, I was actually born and raised in Hawaii. And Ooh, yep. that had to have been nice. <laughs> I found my way to Missouri on a football scholarship to a small school in the middle of Missouri and worked my way east. Um, and then that stuck. And i I really loved it ever since. Um, what was the college you went to? Missouri Valley College. Okay. Go Vikings. And then I came to St. Charles and went to Lindenwood where I got my master's before I then met my wife and the journey went on. And so here I am living in St. Charles. And I went to Lindenwood too. I got my undergrad and my master's there. My master's is in education. And it, are you in master's in education yeah. too? Yeah, so my, my master's <laughs> is in teaching. I I actually was on a long journey in school. I went to college for nine years trying to find myself and what, uh, what you know, profession fit me best. And I started in business. Uh, didn't like the idea too much of having to uh, pedal and appeal to people all the time. And I know that could be just my own impression, but that's the way that I felt. And then I knew I, you know, I played sports. Obviously, I was on a football scholarship. And so I kind of went down a path of, of fitness and um, wanting to help people around me be healthy. And then I kind of got into, you know, I was a personal trainer working at a gym and all, and I, I found that to be very much a business as well. Um, as much as I wanted to help people, I still had to sell um, that service and, and try to convince people when re- really it was like, I'm trying to help you. Um, so I, try, I, I really thought about, you know, what, 
profession puts me in a position to really serve others and and help them be healthy and you know I really wanted to work with athletes that's you know being an athlete I was like I want to work with other athletes and so that drew me to first coaching and then you know understanding that as a teacher I'd have a platform a classroom to teach people about health and wellness and fitness and and all those things and so that's what pushed me down the path of it to education and here I am nine years into it. What age do you teach? I'm a high school teacher. I actually teach out in Wentzville at Timberland High School. Um, I teach PE and health classes and um, I was formerly a football and track coach. And so you're not coaching anymore? Taking a break for family this year. So I also was a coach. I was a cheer coach. Justin, we have a lot in common. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and same thing. I, when I got pregnant with our oldest, it was like, okay, this, it takes up too much time, especially for their ages right now, maybe down the road. I don't know, but it was one of those things with coaching. When I still have the first girls that I coached reach out to me and so on social media and they're like, Hey coach, how are you doing? Or they will say things to me about the impact I made in their life. I mean, there is nothing better than that. And I always joke around because I was a tough coach. I demanded the best <laughs> because it was a direct reflection on me too. But I also wanted to set them up like, hey, you are not going to just be able to walk through life and have everything handed to you. You have to work to what you get. And I find that the girls that I, most of the girls I was pretty hard on, I find that they really appreciated it. Maybe not then, right. but now they're starting to know. Yep, exactly. All right. So we are obviously on a faith podcast. Yep. So we have to talk about that. When you were younger, did you attend church in any way or have God, anything in your life? God was always... Um present in ways. So uh, we uh, we were the holiday churchgoers um, growing up. Uh, you know, we went to Christmas Mass and tried to get to Easter and um, other uh, other big holiday services. And but we weren't we weren't your everyday Sunday goers. Um, and even even then, I think me and me and my brother, who's two years younger than me, um, we'd still resist at times to even go to the holiday masses. But um, we also both went to uh, Catholic schools. So my brother went to Catholic uh, grade school up through high school, and then I went to Catholic high school. Um, so we were surrounded by religious teachings. I think I grew up with a lot of different perception and, and misinformation and misunderstandings of church history, you know, maybe even being in church and not catching the message at times not understanding the language that was being used and so I felt like I was kind of um disconnected growing up in the church and I never did think it was a big deal it, it wasn't a big deal to me um growing up as a kid I, I didn't I didn't yearn for the desire to, to connect more but, you know I wasn't baptized as a, as a kid and didn't go through um confirmation school or anything and so yeah I grew up with a lot of Lack of information, some misinformation, and, and lack of understanding at times. 
I'm going to ask you a question that Laura Fleetwood asked me, or maybe it wasn't even a question. It was more of a statement like, obviously, those decisions of going to church on the big holidays and even the school choice, that was on your parents. So what was their connection to religion, faith, whatever it may be for them? It had to have been important to them, right? I definitely think it was important enough for them to ensure that we were, we had the opportunity and to know, to know God and to know Christ. I think for us to be exposed on those holidays and in school. And I think with the confidence that we'd be, we'd be instilled with the values taught through religious school, schooling. My, I know my dad grew up Catholic. I think my mom was Protestant growing up. Um, but it wasn't evident that there was no differences I felt between the two. And I felt they did have, a, you know, they were on in step with, again, the path they wanted us to walk. I know that the school that you teach at now is a public school. And so you talked about going to high school, a private Christian high school or a Catholic. Yep. And that's been a reoccurring theme too throughout this podcast trying to figure out, and I don't think we're ever going to figure it out. Everybody's story is different, but your experiences as a high school student at a Catholic school, and obviously it's different now that you're an adult teaching in a public school, but is there a difference? Is there something, is there something that you held on to from your time in school that you really, really value and, and you love or was it a barrier for you moving forward with your faith does that make sense yeah actually yeah. um so going to and and again this is this was my perception that my perception was my reality and you know what what maybe others reality was could be very different than my own um but i very much felt in my experience that i didn't belong in the catholic school like from the from being in the being in the religion standpoint you know with with um receiving communion and um engaging in all of the practices of the church because i didn't understand or know uh, or i misunderstood i felt excluded in ways um and so i think that did when i left high school part of that feeling of exclude being excluded Again, my perception of feeling excluded, I think eventually led to my complete disconnect from religion and Christianity as, as, as a whole. Moving into the public, I did, I did not take anything with me. Based on what you just said, you got done with high school, went to college, and that was it. You no, no religion, no church, no praying, no... No, not, not completely the case, actually. I was... You know, I think God has always and, and constantly and faithfully put and kept people in my life to try to draw me back. And so, yes, leaving high school, I felt the way that I felt and the disconnect began there. But throughout college, you know, I was surrounded by guys that wanted to go to church and a part of our group, like just being with the group, you know, in a social setting, we would go to church from time to time on Sundays you know, we found a small we found a small church um, in the small town that we were in, and we attend. Um, 
you know, it wasn't by any means consistent, but it did become a more than holiday, you know, venture for, for me, I guess, you know, where we, yeah, at times I would go on holidays when I returned home for, you know, holiday breaks, but then, you know, through a football season or throughout the school year with, with the group of guys that I hung out with, we would go to church off and on. Again, it, it didn't st- stick with me enough to carry me through, and that's where I, why what has led me to my new faith journey. But I know God has always put, looking back now, God has always continued to put people there to say, come on. You know, and whether it was up to me to to, to take it and accept it and, and really dive into it. There was never a point where you hated the church, you hated God? Not hate, but there was definitely a point that got to where it's not real. Oh, can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So we'll, we'll go from college and, and at, at Missouri Valley you know, and then that, you know, just the, it's it's just had at the time just continued to decline my connection and with my face and my faith. And even then going to church, I'd, I'd go and just try to listen for me. Is there a message for me, you know, and find something that connected with me? Oh, how can I apply that to my life? And then as time got, went on, you know, when I left and I was not around a group of people, I stopped going to church and Satan takes hold on you when you disconnect and was able to convince me that science is real which science is real but science is the way and god what god and so i got to the point where i felt more comfortable in my life not i guess not feeling those feelings of being excluded or feeling of guilt because i didn't do something the right way um, and so I, I still tried to live for people and help people, serve people, try to be the best person I could be, you know, and I would say, if heaven was real and if, if God exists, then I believe I live my life in a way that he would accept, that I was nice to people, I was kind to people, I helped people, and I, I was a, a, a loving person that he would expect from me, and that was enough, I thought that was enough, if there was, if it was ever real. Now I'll also say, you know, um, to my baptism sponsor, Paul, um, he's always, he's always been, he's one of the people that God put in my life to always be there. And he was that person to everybody, like maybe not on a faith journey, but he was always there for everyone in need always. And, um, he was always someone that I felt comfortable knowing that he was strong in his, his faith. I was comfortable enough to tell him that I didn't believe in it. And he was, he, he didn't push me. He didn't, he didn't try to change my mind. He didn't, you know, nothing. He would say, I understand you and what you're thinking. But, but small messages like, you know, when you know, you know, you know, kind of thing. And, you know, I would tell him, I would believe if God just spoke to me. Someone, if God just came or someone just came and was like, it is real, then I'd flip around and believe. And like, yeah, I would abandon all of my old, you know, thoughts and beliefs. I would abandon everything that I, you know, convinced myself of in my head and say, okay, then I'm on this journey, you know, or I'm, you know, I do believe. That's almost exactly what happened a year ago. So before that, I mean, I guess when when I went into this period of darkness and it was a long time, you know, where I I just, it, it, 
long story short, short, I was just in a way that was very self-fulfilling. Everything that I strived to do was what, uh, and I want to say it was like, what about me? But what can I do? Okay, what is my role? How does this benefit me? You know, and things like that. And um, I had strong feelings of insufficiency. Like I was not good enough for things. I didn't know what I liked, like things that what 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 I enjoyed. Um, I I'd spent a lot of time serving others, and in, in in such a way that it, it became a distraction from trying to f- figure out, you know, what are the things that made me happy. It became what makes me happy makes you happy. But I struggled with that because when everybody's happy and you've done that part, you're only left with yourself. And so it was just really this this period of, I would call it just dark, you know? Um, and, and people from the outside could see, you know, oh, you know, Justin or a coach or Mr. He's happy, he's a cool dude. He's happy, he's so nice, or X, Y, Z, beautiful family, you know, got a beautiful wife, he's got it all, you know, but behind closed doors and in the dark and in, in, you know, more of the intimate closest relationships I had, those struggled because I wasn't the best version of me to them. You know, I, I just wasn't really living like this fulfilling life that probably anybody could have imagined that I was, or, you know, I would have all of these great thoughts, you know, being a coach, um, being someone that had a desire to like help other people and make other feel people feel good about themselves or help other people get healthy. You know, I thought I had all these plans for myself. I had, you know, I was like, I want to do, be able to do this. So I have this plan you know, I'd write out these plans and, and they'd never go anywhere, you know, and they'd just, it stop at plan, you know, the planning portion. So as years and years and years had gone on of these, this desire to improve, but yet I look back years and years and years and say, I'm still in the same place. Like, what am I doing? You know, where am I going? What am I doing? And I think some of that turned into anger and resentment. And it was really a reflection on myself that was projected onto, I think probably the most important person was projected onto my wife and, and she had to live with this guy. And a year ago, just one day, it was it, it kind of just came to a head. And actually, let me back up just a little bit. It, it didn't only become between the relationship and between just me. Um, if we think about a year ago and the the year we had starting in 2019 into 2020, mm. you know, I know it was rough for everybody, you know, and things that were going on in society, the divides that were happening. Um, you know, and then, then the, the mass worry that was happening was so entrenched in like media coverage and the, that those, some of those issues too, that I, I, I bared the weight of some of that, you know, and I didn't understand why, like, why do I care so much? You know, it was like, why does it bother me so much? And it's just, I just felt like I was taking, it was overwhelming. It was overwhelming to me. And, and, you know, so all this happening around me. um, My babies were born in December 2019, right before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know, it it was something that 
I think for, I mean, I've always wanted to have kids, always. Um, truth be told, I wanted to always have twins. I always, I mean, growing up, me and my brother, we'd look at each other and wish we were twins because we were so close in age. And I mean, don't get me wrong, we were extremely competitive and we still are to this day. <laughs> but like, but we're really close and we, 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 we at times would look at each other as if, especially as we got older, was we'd look at each other as same age equals. And, yeah. you know, we'd say, man, if only we were twins and all the things that we could have done together and so this concept of twins was always fascinating to me um and then i and then i was blessed with them on my from on my part so that was kind of step one in december of 19 you know we start going through that year and they're just and still are perfect babies just and it's and we look at each other and me and my wife would look at each other and just like wow how did this happen you know, and couldn't find an answer. How, how how did we get so lucky would be the words. You know, and again, that kind of went on. The pandemic hit, and that was a blessing for us. Uh, you know, I know it really hit everyone hard, and a lot of people lost people. But for us, we were able to stay home with them and watch them grow and get to be their parents through that time. And, um, you know, my wife did struggle. My wife is, I mean, her mom, my wife's mom's, says to me all the time, Cassie was born to be a mom. And she was, she's, she's the greatest mom. And, and so, you know, she really struggled with the, even the idea of, of letting her babies go to someone else. Didn't matter who that person was, she wanted to be there for them. So for us, we were able to be there with them for 11 out of the 12 months of their first year. So anyway, all these fortunate events that allowed us to be with our blessings that we you know, cherish so much. But again, in that time, it was just, for me, I'm like, again, going back to this feeling of feeling like I wasn't good enough. Why do I deserve this? Of all people, why do I deserve to get what I want? You know, why do I get to, get to have, you know, the things, you know, even when I'm not the best version of me or the best version of, and, and you know, I, I still struggle with that feeling of not good enough, but, you know, there are better people out there. Why do I get this? You know, perfect family, perfect babies. And, um, you know, again, like the struggles that I was having with myself was projected onto my relationship. And it just, it came to head where I think I literally felt God had to step in and say, stop it. Like, come to me and I will show you why and it was like then it just full wave it's like every every doubt i've ever had every question i ever had every argument i ever had against god and the church all of it was answered and clarified for me in an how instant. in an instant what do you mean by that i think a lot of my doubt my a lot of my questions a lot of my angst against the church let, uh, resided in people the people of the church and how can these people of the church claim to be of God when they act or behave in this way and so I was taking some of the actions of a little projected it onto the all and would even go back to like historical events or historical things you know that have happened through the church whether it was Catholicism spreading through the world and 
of course people are going to believe in in this religion when you put a sword to their throat you know and things like that um but in that moment what answered the question was really you're a sinner and so are they i love you what makes you different than them or what makes them different than you and so it was, it kind of was like whoa you know it was just this big breakthrough in my mind that you know all of the sinning in my sinning ways is no different than another person at any at any time and if god can love them or no if god can love me then god can love them and so that's kind of where it answered every question was they are not god they are not even representatives of god they are them just like i am me and god is god like greater than all, everything else does your wife have a faith background? She grew up in the church, and I think she's always had a connection. Now, her attendance to church on Sundays wasn't perfect. For her, I think it's just, you know, life kind of went on. You know, she kind of rode the wave of life, mm -hmm. to, you know, but, ne but never a question about her faith. She never questioned her faith and, and what she believed in. She's always been strong in her faith, whether she was actively in prayer or actively attending church that kind of went with the waves of life would it be safe to say that you two did you have arguments oh yes okay oh yes i mean <laughs> the, I, let's we can go there too and you know and and you know one thing i told you when you asked me about the podcast was if i can help even one person understand me or somebody, you know, or, or if they can relate to me, they can draw them closer to God and draw them closer to Jesus. I will share it. And even if it's through my vulnerable stories, but, you know, she always, even in the talk of kids, wanted to get the kids involved in church. And I was not supportive of it. I'm like, we're going to be lying to them. I want, you know, I don't want to be lying to them. I want them to find their own way in life. That was me. I would even say, and then it would kind of, you know, go up and down in these arguments and, you know, even in my concessions for, you know, to, in the arguments, I would say, okay, fine. If you want to take them to church on Sundays, you can go to church. Well, that would be a bad example to the kids. Okay, fine. Then you go to church and I'll go serve at a homeless shelter. You know, that can't be bad. You know, you know that's what I would say. I'll just try to find way, just absolute ways for me to not be in church even when it came down to getting the kids baptized yeah how did that work yes even down to the week before the kids were baptized which was the when i got my calling i was saying i'm only doing it for the kids as an example for the kids so that when they ask is dad baptized we can say yes and they can go on their merry way and it was always it was, up until then it was always for them one week before, like I said, I felt God come to me and basically just, I mean, one thing I felt he said to me and word for word was like, I'm not here for them. I'm here for you. And you're not going to come to pretend, get baptized for them. You're going to come for you. You're going to be saved. It was wild. It was the wildest thing. It's kind of a joke with me and the women in my community group that I'm in. Because sometimes they'll talk about, you know, hearing the voice of God. And I'm always like, 
you know, I've never heard the voice of God and I'm getting frustrated and we all laugh and we talk about it and, and, and people will say, you know, sometimes it, whatever that joke is that or tale is about how the man's drowning and he's like, God save me. And all of a sudden a boat comes up and he was like, no, I'm waiting for God. And then an airplane and then a helicopter. And he says no, and he dies. And he's like, God, you're supposed to save me. He's like, I tried like these little things that happen. And so sometimes it's not a voice, but then sometimes it is. And that's fascinating to me and encouraging too. instead of being aggravated or confused and frustrated, it's now turned into a, oh my gosh, that's pretty awesome. Okay. So he spoke to you. It's not like it comes to your ears. Right. And that's the other thing I'm still trying to learn. Like it's not, it's literally not him. Like, Hey, Jill. (laughs) The way that I I described it, it came right through my chest and it almost came in one word or one breath. It wasn't long, but it said everything I needed to hear. And just that one breath Mm -hmm. has changed you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I know, but I don't know the entire the details, but you got baptized with your twins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what an amazing experience it was. I mean, considering a week before I, I, I felt I was just going to be a participating observer in the event to it being my day as well. Not, not even as well. It was my day because theirs were there. That was their day. But when it was my turn to step up to the altar, Every word that was said by Pastor Chuck, everything that I know he was speaking for the three, but God told me like it's for you. And so I, you know, even on the day it, as we set it up, I, 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 you know, I didn't hold any of my kids leading up to that point because I couldn't like I felt I couldn't carry them spiritually into that moment because I was also being carried into that. So it was big. And I'm thinking of your wife. I can only imagine how she felt. Yeah. Did you know Pastor Chuck before then as far as having a relationship with him? Or was it the baptism that spoke to you and formed that relationship? It was was the baptism. Yeah. It was how it landed with the schedule. Um, you know, their, their baptism schedule and he ended up being the guy. And since then we've formed a really strong relationship. You know, I do definitely view him as one of my mentors and I look to him, you know, definitely added more people to my life, you know, and I needed that. Um, but yeah, Pastor Chuck was the big, you know, he was my, my beginning. I remember being in church one day, actually back that up you all got baptized and i had seen it on our church's social media and knew of you and your family especially working there but then it was the jubilee sunday and when he put the picture of you two chuck and justin on the big screen as one of his favorite days of the past year it was like holy moly this is this is what it's about. As we wrap up this episode, before we bring Laura in to ask some questions, tell me a little bit about that relationship with Chuck and how it's intersected into your professional life. Pastor Chuck, 
you know, he definitely became like that, like again, like the mentor, the light for me, to the person that I would look to if I had questions or wanted to just hear how things were supposed to be. It was really what it was, was how is life supposed to be? And, I, and so I'm on this journey and the year has not been the easiest year, but it's been the most amazing year. And so my journey hasn't been this found God and it's been upward trajectory right. the whole time. And, and I'm glad you said that because I do think that we need to to talk about that more in these episodes. Like once you realize everything isn't just peaches and roses, mm-hmm. there's, there's things. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I just didn't know a lot of it was how do I do this? I've never read the Bible before. I've never prayed before other than asking God for things, even way back when I was in, in, in Catholic school, I felt it was more of, please help me not fail this test or please look over my, over me or my family or keep us safe, you know, asking things. And as the relationship connected, you know, through my baptism and my growing faith, it was, it's not what I want to pray about. So how do I do it? You know, how do I pray? How do I, how do I walk this path? And so, you know, that those would be a lot of questions or conversations that I'd have with Pastor Chuck. And so it actually led to a, I don't want to call it a challenge, but I will. He challenged me because we're talking, we talked about a lot of things. I had a lot of questions about my, even my personal life of like what I wanted to do. I was doubting things that I was doing. I didn't know that I wanted to be in the profession I was in anymore not in any convincing way. He wasn't trying to convince me one way or the other to stay or to go. Very good listener. How do we get God involved in in this decision that needs to be made? Long story short, it came to a head where I am going to stay in the profession that I'm doing. He said, there are a fellowship of Christian athletes at your school. Well, coincidentally, and I'll use my air quotes, coincidentally, um, the sponsor who had previously been running the huddle at Timberland was retiring and there was an open spot and he said Mm. it's your spot I challenge you to take on that FCA huddle at your high school and and grow it without knowing anything never ever been to an FCA huddle meeting before not knowing anything about FCA said okay well I said okay kind of hesitantly and then he said it in church and I'm like oh (laughs) now I really gotta do this but then amazingly (laughs) we talk about God putting people in your life he proclaims this to the church that Justin Sharoma is going to be starting FCA at Timberland High School. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is happening. <laughs> I didn't, I really didn't know if I was super committed to it, but now I, I am. Yeah, I cannot. <laughs> well, leaving church that day, I'm walking out, and a student from Timberland High School who is in church that day bolts out, says, Coach, I'm here for you. I want to do anything possible to help get this thing going. So it is amazing how God. You know, when you have doubt, God comes in and says, don't worry, I got your back. And that's how it's been the moment I opened my eyes to it. I have so many things that I want to say, but I'm going to wrap it up because I know Laura has some questions that she wants to ask you. And I'm so thankful for your honesty and vulnerability because it is hard sometimes to admit those things, to admit the dark days and to admit that you failed, but it is going to help someone. And that's the reason why I'm doing this. We'll go ahead and wrap it up. We're going to have Laura come in. She's going to ask some questions. 
and hopefully somebody else will be compelled to learn more about God and go that next or take that next step, I guess I should say, to figuring that out. So here's a little preview of what's to come. Let's talk about this moment when you heard from God. So cool. So cool. I thought it was interesting how you explained it, that it didn't come through your head. It came from your chest, like like almost this gut knowing that that he was, was speaking to you. Have you felt that again? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost like once you feel it, you don't stop feeling it. It's, it's like a channel's been opened. I hope that's what all Christians feel, that connection. 